Hey, listeners. After five babies, I've changed a lot of diapers. And I have opinions about them. A lot of people think Pampers Cruisers 360 are best to use when your baby is older. But in my experience, they're the best diapers to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. That's because these diapers don't have ordinary diaper tabs. They have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who just can't stop moving. Just slide on to apply, rip the sides to remove, and roll everything up with the disposal tape on the back. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof and just got even better with a new blowout barrier. And since these diapers stretch with your baby, your active baby can move all over the place, getting into everything as usual. Pampers Cruisers 360 are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Yes. Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi. This is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura, and this is episode 24. Today, we're going to be talking about our wardrobes. Our guest, Courtney Carver, is going to help us with figuring out the concepts of minimalism and a capsule wardrobe, so we're really looking forward to that. But first, our own wardrobes. <laughs> Sarah, where do you shop? Where, where are you shopping these days? Ooh, well, I haven't gone shopping for a while for anything fun because maternity clothes are not quite the same as regular shopping. But when I am not pregnant or recovering from pregnancy, my favorites are probably Madewell and Anthropology, And then I mix in things from Nordstrom a lot of times through the Trunk Club service, which I know you've used as well. Yeah. And and you said Bod Bowden? Is that the other one that you... Oh, yes. Bowden is... I love their... So Bowden is a company that's based in the UK and they tend to be, I guess, a little fancier 
but at the same time, very simple pieces. And a lot of them are very work appropriate. Like I have a couple of shift dresses from there, a couple of wrap dresses and some nicer tops that are really good for work. Um, they're also one of my favorite kid retailers. When I'm looking for children's clothing that I want to last a long time. And now that I have two girls, if I have something that I'm, I can rationalize, oh, well, they could both use it. I go to Bowdoin because they are definitely pricier than um, things like Gap. They're not crazy otherworldly designer pricey. Um, I would just say maybe like 25 to 50% more than an equivalent item would cost at say Gap or maybe two times Target, but they definitely last twice as long. Um, and their kid designing is just on point to me. It's beautiful. Yeah. What about you? Well, since I have boys, they've always been slightly less into <laughs> the, the, the fashion, I guess. Um, so the kids, it's all been Target and Old Navy and then hand-me-downs from, from older cousins, for instance. Uh, although they've started to get a little bit more into it. My, my eight-year-old is a wee bit of a more of a fashion connoisseur. He actually asked for and got at one point a leather jacket that he loves to wear during the fall and spring seasons. <laughs> that is adorable. Yeah, and he has these like dark skinny jeans he wears too. It's just hilarious. I, <gasps> oh, that's so I know. cute. Whereas the, I mean, the older, my oldest son is, would have worn sweatpants forever. I finally made him stop. Cause I'm just like, you're 10 years old. The other children are wearing jeans. Like, I mean, I don't really care what you wear, but just in the interest of that, you are expressing interest in how other people interact with you. You could look at what other people are wearing and <laughs> try to match it. I, I hate having that conversation, but you know, it's, it's inevitable, I guess. <laughs> I feel like, well, with my older, who's almost six now, there's this sort of narrow intersection of what I think is cute and what she thinks is cute. And maybe I will get to that point. I know a lot of parents of older children do where you no longer care if you like your kids' clothes, but I'm definitely not there yet. So if she wants some hideous like emoji co covered shirt, I will gently try to <laughs> at least steer her to something else. And I've found that companies like Bowdoin and T have these like nice child-friendly prints that are also really inoffensive from my perspective. So that's, that's kind of another part of my game. I, I will say I buy my kids' clothes based on what I want to see them in to some extent, not based on their preferences yet. But that may be more a function of age than anything else. And I will say boys' clothes is so much less fun. And I buy a lot of Cameron stuff at Gap because I have a Gap credit card and I get insane amounts of credits. And then when I combine that with their discounts, I can often get something like four pairs of pants, two shirts, and a bathing suit for $9. Oh <laughs> Maybe I should look into that. So if you, yeah. If you, if you use the credit card, um, and this is not an ad, guys, by the way. just Nothing you know, sponsored um, on here. Nothing yeah. sponsored. Um, if you use the card for groceries, I believe, it's like three times points. So I figured that out. So that's the card we use all the time for grocery shopping. So I don't. it seems like I'm definitely on the winning end yeah. of whatever deal. So, so does your daughter so. like this yeah. stuff? I, there's, there's this, these teeny bopper shops. Like, was it Justice? Uh, she doesn't she know, know about, about that. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> so we have older female cousins who have passed down stuff to my daughter. So it's just the hilarious. I mean, you know, a shirt that'll be like Team Unicorn or something, and it's like, <laughs> I, but you know, I, I guess she she's more into like fuzzy pants still at this point. She likes to wear leggings that are fuzzy when they just get those at Target, and then if the shirt has sequins on it, it's like a major win. Um, which I, for the most part, they can still be laundered, and given that they cost like ten dollars, it's okay, even if they fall apart after a couple of couple of washes, but. Uh, 
Well, then then you at least don't have to keep looking at it. For yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really not exactly. very cute. It's like, oh, darn. Yeah. That one fell apart. And, and I, um, so, I mean, for me, I, I do a lot of Nordstrom trunk stuff. I, I like um, straight like jeans. I'll talk more about that later, I guess. But uh, let's remind our – some people might not know what trunk, uh, trunk club Yeah, Nordstrom is. has a service that's called Trunk Club, which basically um, their stylists will send you stuff that – is your size and what they know of your preference. And then you, you know, keep what you want and send it back. And it's not like a monthly thing or whatever. You sort of elect whenever you want to get it. Um, my, my stylist will like proactively put stuff together, I guess, when they get their new shipments in or whenever she needs to make her numbers or whatever it is that, that drives that process. But, uh, you know, I, I used to do stitch fix and then I kind of got done with stitch fix. I felt like they were not as, you know, good quality is what I wanted. Even if I put it on their highest price point, it just wasn't really um, stuff I was wearing anymore. Uh, I liked some of their stuff. It was okay. But uh, so, so then I tried Nord- Nordstrom trunk and I've been mostly happy with that because it's Nordstrom stuff, which is where I would shop anyway. And then I've also tried recently um, M.M. Lafleur. I think that's how you would say that. Oh, I've heard ads from that and I've been yeah. intrigued. How is it? What are the, what are the clothes well, like? Well, so it's, it's a lot of classic stuff, <laughs> the straight leg pants. Um, the, there's shift dresses, um, like long cardigans, uh, you know. Are they brand name or are they their own, their own proprietary? So it's a private label. Okay. And, but, but I think it's well-designed kind of classic stuff. And in fact, they, I, I sent around a link in my Twitter feed recently. They had an article on their blog um, that one of their staffers actually legitimately wore five items from them every day for November. So like 20 work days, she managed to combine five items plus accessories. So like scarves and stuff like that, but still it's a lot of that kind of classic capsule wardrobe stuff, which for whatever reason, I mean, we'll talk about this in our main time. It seems to be like the Holy grail of dressing. Like, can I turn a couple items into a wardrobe that seems varied, you know? And uh, so, so I feel like their stuff can actually do that. That's awesome. I, I would say the, the real victory pieces that I've gotten from Trunk Club are those kind, like a pair of black skinny jeans, which I think you might have gotten as well, <laughs> that ended up being a staple of my work wardrobe. Because it turns out if you wear a shirt long enough, no one can tell that yeah. they're jeans and super comfy and very yeah. versatile. And my, my two, um, the speaking things I wear all the time are both Nordstrom trunk things. I was sent a pair of black theory pants, dressy pants, and then a blue St. John top it's like a shell top so yeah if you if you google my ted talk that's what i'm wearing in that and then you know the bone stilettos from jimmy choose which is just my own selection but uh you know my power dressing <laughs> you gotta gotta do the good stuff for that so yeah i mean i've i've yeah. had to convince myself to buy fewer pricier things i have definitely leaned in that direction as well i used to be a big sale person and now i I have to actually force myself to just not even look at the sales section because I found over time that the things that I keep tend to be the things that I picked based on their own merits, not even looking at the price tag at all. Well, I'm super excited for our guests because I am in this really great crossroads point of needing to refresh my wardrobe. And I've been intrigued by her uh, methods for a while now. Well, we are very excited to welcome to the program today, Courtney Carver. She is the author of Soulful Simplicity. She also runs the website Be More With Less. And we're especially excited to talk with her today about a project she did called Project 333, 
which Courtney, can you tell us a little bit about that first? Thank you. Thank you for yeah, coming thank on the you program. For inviting really appreciate me. It. Uh, Project 333 is something that is very near and dear to my heart. It is a, a minimalist fashion challenge that I created in 2010 as a personal experiment because my closet was so out of control. I mean, out of control. I feel like I was just shopping, shopping, shopping my whole life and never letting go of anything. And I had been simplifying the rest of my life for a few years, but really had backburnered the closet and just decided that enough was enough and wanted to see what it would be like to dress with less. And I knew that I needed some rules and accountability. And so I created this challenge where I would dress with 33 items or less for three months, including clothing, jewelry, accessories, and shoes. There were some things I didn't include, like underwear, sleepwear, and workout gear, uh, workout clothes, but I also decided that my workout clothes had to work out. And the reason I included that is because I loved wearing my yoga pants to everything but yoga. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe if I, <laughs> if I just assign those to yoga, I'll actually go to yoga more. So that was, those were kind of the rules. And I picked my 33 items and boxed everything up and just got it out of sight so that for three months, all I would be faced with every morning were these, this, you know, small number of choices. And how did that change In your life? So many different ways. I mean, for starters, it's been now more than seven years and I still dress with about 33 items or less every three months. Uh, and it really resonated with people. So I announced it on my blog back in 2010. And I think there were a hundred people that commented on that first post and said, I I'm in, I want to try this. Now I'm sure there were thousands that were like, she is crazy. Forget it. I'm not doing this. But as of today, tens of thousands of people have tried it from all over the world. And so I'm learning that the things I experienced, like easier mornings, saving money, less decision fatigue were things that other people noticed as well. But then there were some also, some really bigger shifts, um, more meaningful things like uh, people would experience less anxiety during the day, which I thought was fascinating. Uh, even relief from depression, uh, which you wouldn't think that would come back to your clothes or your stuff, but gosh, we're overwhelmed with all of the decisions we have to make and all of the excess. And so that adds some lightness and some relief to uh, people's lives. And it certainly did for mine. Yeah. I mean, how, what, what mistakes are a lot of women making with their wardrobes that do add this kind of stress to their lives that you think project 333 was getting? Well, if they're anything like I was, then they are buying clothes, not because they need new clothes, but because of other reasons, they're shopping for events. I know I shopped, like I thought I needed something new for every new event. Um, perhaps they're shopping to relieve the pain of boredom or working a job they don't enjoy. You know, for me, that was a story I told myself often, you know, I work so hard, I deserve new things. And I would go blow half a paycheck on clothes that I would never wear. I mean, there were clothes in my closet with tags still hanging. So I think we convince ourselves that we need new clothes in our closet when we really don't. And 
if you look at what you're wearing now, even if you have a closet stuffed full of clothes, chances are you're only wearing your favorite things every day anyway, but you're feeling bad about not wearing the other things. Like it's mental clutter that's exactly. there. Because you and you don't day. even realize how overwhelming it is until it's gone. Uh, so for me, it was, you know, every single day facing those bad purchase decisions, overspending, clothes that didn't fit me, gifts that people gave me that I never wore. I felt bad about that. Uh, but because I saw it every day, I just, it was just the norm. I got used to it. But when it was gone, wow, what a relief. Did it end up causing you to eventually give away some of the things you stored away? Or is it more like you still have this repository of stuff? Like logistically, what do you do with the stuff so that's not in your Every three months, I would go back to the stuff. And the first season, it was boxes and boxes and decades of things that I had boxed up. And having that separation really changed the way I felt about those clothes and the things. And it was easier to let go. And so after every three months, I would let go of a little bit more. And now I think it took me probably two or three years of that seasonal, you know, revisiting to let go of almost all of it. And so now I really have just what I need during the three months and then a, a small box of uh, other seasonal items that I rotate in. So it's like Perhaps. a trial separation. I mean, once you've been away from it for three months, <laughs> I like that. you can, you can part amicably for, for the rest of your life. Well, let's, I mean, so let's dive into particulars here because I'm sure everyone is very curious, you know, what pieces you wound up selecting um, for your 33, like what wound up being really versatile in your life. And if there was anything that you found was kind of your your secret weapon, like your surprisingly um, useful item that you kept rewearing a lot in, in, in that time when you were relying on just 33. Well, it's changed over time because my career has changed, my life has changed. And because I was pared down to so such a, a small selection, I was able to really figure out what I wanted and needed in my wardrobe. And I realized that that really looks different for everyone and it changes for people as well over time. But for me today, uh, where I work for myself and, uh, and really know what clothes I enjoy after all this time, I mean, I keep a pair of jeans, a pair of leggings, and a skirt and a dress in almost every collection. So not three pair of jeans, just one. I find that works the best for me. And then the rest of it, uh, th those are kind of the, the bottoms and the dress, of course, I can use in different ways. But then uh, the rest of it, depending on the season, is a combination of accessories like sunglasses, a tote bag, uh, a purse, and then tops and outerwear. So sweaters, shirts, and thinking about, you know, what what's the perfect piece, what that just got me into trouble to begin with, thinking that there was this perfect item that would complete my wardrobe or be the best thing for me. And so what I've discovered is that there really isn't a, something, for instance, that I could say, okay, everybody should have two pair of pants, five sweaters, three scarves, because we're so unique and different. So it really is a matter of experimenting and being curious and knowing that it doesn't have to be permanent. So try it for a few months and see for yourself what really works for you. Yeah, well, with that, though, I mean, I think a lot of women want the rules because they're confused. And, you know, we don't know what 
necessarily our style is or what looks the best. How should a woman go about figuring that out? I mean, what is the kind of questions you ask yourself, the experimental process? I mean, what should we do to figure out what those pieces are that work? I mean, really just taking those three months of only choosing from a small selection will give you a lot of information. And the way that I put that first list together, and it was kind of a mess, I'll be honest, it wasn't my best collection, uh, but I really wanted to shop from my closet, use pieces that I already had. So it takes forgetting about the rules. Don't think about what the magazines say, what anyone else tells you you're supposed to be wearing or doing. Pick the items that you think you will need and want in your wardrobe. And what you think you need and want in your wardrobe will change after those three months, but it's the best way to start. So I make a list by category of the clothes. And when I started this, I was working full-time for a magazine in ad sales, constantly meeting with clients and colleagues and going to events. So I knew that I would need something that was appropriate to wear to the office and outside of work. And so what I had to do is dress down my work clothes about 10% and dress up my out of work clothes about 10% so that there could be a little more crossover. Uh, and, and that's how I started. I really didn't have this set of, of fashion guidelines to go by. Uh, but in most cases, what I discovered is that one was more than enough, which was shocking to me that I only needed one purse, one dress, one scarf, one pair of jeans. Um, I probably had a couple of pair of, of slacks or skirts in the beginning. I'd have to go back and look at that list, but because I was dressing up more and no one noticed, no one noticed for a, a solid year that I was still working that job and dressing like this. I'm curious what you discovered on like, as you did a few more of these um, wardrobes, did you notice that the colors were all in a certain family or that you lean toward, you know, neutrals or toward a certain bright color or anything like that? Or perhaps was there a seasonality to it? Like, um, you know, during warmer months, choosing a different palette or does it tend to be more? It's changed from the beginning. In the beginning, I had all the the colors, all the patterns, all the things, uh, really all of them. And (laughs) I have pared that down to today where most of my clothes are very neutral. So I wear a lot of grays and blacks and uh, cream or white, not because I don't like color in my life. I love it. In fact, my life has become so much more colorful as a result now that I'm not totally focused on making sure that my wardrobe is colorful and creative. Uh, But there are also really good examples of colorful capsule wardrobes out there, uh, which I think is fantastic. And that's kind of what I mean by it differs for everyone. So it really depends on what you like, but also give yourself a chance to not know what you like or, or think that that might be possible. Um, where we're thrown so many messages about what we're supposed to be wearing, maybe we don't really know what we like until we're we're just working with a few things. And yes, seasonally it changes as well, but for me, not so much in terms of color anymore. Out of curiosity, what color is the one purse that Uh, that you're using? So I have a black tote bag and a kind of a blush pink purse. So there's some color. (laughs) 
Yeah, a little color. And you do like do you like scarves or, or bright colored accessories or belts or something? I mean, I'm just curious where you said the you have a lot of color in your life, but not necessarily. Yeah, it's not it's not in my accessories either. I have a, a black scarf, <laughs> and I have tried other colored scarves and plaid scarves, but I just never wear them. I always gravitate towards that one warm, comfy black scarf because it's more versatile and just easier, I think. Uh, so the color in my life comes from, for instance, when I am traveling and, and seeing new places, I'm not shopping. I'm not on a, a shopping excursion. I'm not looking for new things. I'm not thinking about what I'm missing in my wardrobe. Instead, I'm visiting new restaurants and museums and people and, you know, really thinking about what I am curious about. And it's not fashion for me. So one of the things I think people might be concerned about with with having, you know, one pair of pants, one skirt, something like that is is the whole cleaning process. Are there any tips you have for kind of streamlining that? I mean, are you going to wind up spending more on dry cleaning when you are reusing the same pieces or should you just avoid that dry cleaning issue entirely? Uh, how, did, how did you wind up working that? Especially when you had the in the office. Yeah, I did have, uh, I don't, it didn't feel like I was doing any more laundry or dry cleaning than I normally would. Um, now I think I have one piece that requires dry cleaning and everything else I can wash myself. I do find that I take better care when I, when I wash my clothes now. So I wash everything on cold, for instance, and line dry whenever possible because I think it helps the clothes last longer. Uh, but I'm also probably investing a little more on the clothes that I have. So where before, if I found a, a, a shirt that I liked and it was only $20, I would buy five of them in different colors and then still only wear the black one. But I, I would, that was my <laughs> mentality. Like, oh, if one is great, then five would be amazing. Uh, so now I might spend a little more than that, but take better care of the item along the way. It's interesting when this idea of experimenting and trying this challenge, dressing with less comes up, there are a certain amount of objections that immediately come up. One is laundry. Uh, the other is uh, temperature. You know, am I going to be comfortable with the different temperatures that I'm experiencing over three months? And so many of these things are just a non-issue once you get started and see for yourself. Yeah, that makes sense. And I can imagine how your approach makes the clothing feel less disposable because you really only have a limited array. So you're going to treat it with care or else your one pair of jeans is going to right. be shrunk. Right. And we think about <laughs> and when we talk trouble. about the, the dry cleaning or the laundry, I think one of the fears is like, what if I spill something on myself? But, and I do, I mean, I'm pretty happy if I make it through the day without spilling something on myself. But really, like if I spill something on myself, chances are I'm not right by my closet to change it out anyway. Like I'm, I'm out in the day, so I'm <laughs> going to have to deal with it one way or the other, and it's not going to be switching outfits. No, that makes sense. Do you find yourself tailoring more things to kind of make sure that the fit of the pieces you have, because if you've sort of invested more both literally and figuratively into your item, because it's you've chosen it for your capsule, you're more likely to have it altered appropriately, because that is a barrier for me. I'll buy stuff and I'm only five one, and then I'll be like, oh, I'm going to have that. I don't, uh, oh, I but don't. I'm not opposed to it. I definitely <laughs> would if I needed to, and I highly recommend it. I think that's a great 
idea. Uh, yeah, I would definitely tailor clothes. I feel like I'd be more likely to follow through if I knew I only had this limited really array well, than I yeah. would want them to fit appropriately somehow. Yeah. Plus it seems less daunting to maybe hem two things versus yeah. you know, 70. Sure. No, I don't have 70 things, but, <laughs> <laughs> but in theory. Um, so, you know, we, Sarah and I, Sarah's really into the decluttering stuff. I, Courtney, you're, you're familiar yes, with Marie Kondo, right? You're, and do you have any? Thoughts? I'm like a fangirl. I've never met. Is a total um, <laughs> but I love. I mean, do you have any thoughts on on her methods and and when it comes to to clothing and and a wardrobe? Uh, I I'm really just thinking about her in terms of her recommendation to hold things in your hand and ask if they bring you joy. That's kind of her method that I'm thinking about. So I'm not too familiar with all the the clothing recommendations. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need to talk okay. about the rolling socks. That's here's, an entire Here's what I think about specific separate. recommendations because I have them, she has them, everybody has an, a great idea, but I don't think any of these ideas are perfect solutions. I think we all have to figure out what works best for us and know that that is going to change over time. So what's best for us today might be different in a month. So right now, if hiding your things and getting them out of sight and breaking that emotional connection works better for you than driving everything to the donation center, do it that way. If decluttering one item a day is less stressful for your entire family than filling boxes all weekend, try it like that. We have to figure out what works best for our lifestyle because if we're making changes that we don't believe in that add more stress to our life, um, or make us unhappy, we're not going to stick with it. And we're just going to be trying to make the changes over and over again. Well, and I can definitely see how you could easily incorporate elements of both and and come up with a great hybrid system. Perhaps you have more than 33 things that spark joy, but it's distracting to you. So you do Project 333 um, without disposing of everything. But if something doesn't spark joy, then it probably doesn't even belong in the backup box. You know what I mean? So I could see a happy marriage between <laughs> between the two. That's my. That's my. Well, I think it's general about thing. just trying to have you know fewer things that you're you're choosing from in the morning. And I know I've I've talked to people who've consciously, I mean, without doing a project or anything like that. But you say like I've got, you know, let's say eleven kind of set work outfits, and maybe you've even worked with a stylist to help you come up with these eleven work outfits that you know work. Because um, there's many of us who have no concept really of style whatsoever. And so it's like about, you know, asking people like, does this look or, you know, people compliment me on this color. So probably I should wear this color more often or something like that. And then, you know, have those outfits and go through them um, again and again and, and take that decision making out so that you can, as Courtney was saying, preserve your mind for other things that the color in our life is in, in other things that are not necessarily fashion. Yeah, I think there's a lot of your mind mindless decisions that we're making every day, whether it be about food or fashion or whatever, before we ever leave the house. I mean, the cereal aisle at the grocery store is completely overwhelming to me. I mean, why do we have so many choices? I think there's like 15 different kinds of Cheerios available now. Uh, but we get all consumed in these tiny details that don't really matter in our lives. And then we are too worn out when it comes to making the big decisions. Yeah. And I think that's really something that it, it's a part of women's professional advancement that's not necessarily talked about as much that 
I mean, for one thing, if it takes you longer to get ready in the morning, then that's time you're not doing something else, whether it's sort of collecting your thoughts for the day or, you know, getting into work a little bit earlier or having more quality time with your family. Um, those are all other things you could be doing other than getting dressed. And those might be better things to do with one's time in terms of one's long life goals. Um, but then also even just the, the cognitive stress of trying to figure out like, is this the right thing to wear? Does this look good on me? Does it not? And if you only have things that you know work for you. And that you, I love with Courtney that you've like taken this, you've invested maybe half a day or however long into choosing that 33. So it's like you've done the pre work of doing it so that you don't have to think about it for three months. I think as I head back to work that that could be, especially as you just mentioned, like, does that fit? Does that work? Like I could just pick 33 things that work on like my body right now that would work and that I don't have to look at anything else for that period of time. I feel like that's that's so freeing. And you're right. It, it actually does pay dividends time-wise, which is really important. Well, and Courtney, let's, let's talk about this here. The, what Sarah just said, that works with her right now because her body right now is not necessarily what her body is going to be in a year, right? Like she just had a baby. Or even in three she months. She had a baby yeah. a month ago, right? So Yeah. Thank you. She, she looks awesome, by the way. But, you know, things are changing, right? And and so it's, um, I think one of the things that you've probably encountered with women in their wardrobes is we're holding on to clothes that may have worked at a different season in our lives that we are not currently in. And I wonder if you could talk about that in terms of how we feel about our bodies and how we feel about you know weight in particular. Um, and if that's something that's causing yes, a lot of stress. That too. is one of the, the top objections, as I mentioned before. So laundry, weather, and weight, uh, especially weight fluctuations, uh, whether it be for a pregnancy or whatever, because your body changes all the time. Um, one thing I noticed that doesn't apply to every situation, but one thing that I definitely noticed and have heard from other people is that once you narrow that down to your 33 and you've eliminated some stress in your life and you start to notice that there aren't as many weight fluctuations. I have really noticed that in my own life where I've been wearing the same size for a long time now, and that's unusual for me. Uh, so I think a lot of that holding on to things that, whether it be sizes that don't fit us, things that don't fit our lifestyle, things that don't fit our bodies, that's extremely stressful. And we all know there are, there's a correlation between stress and weight gain. Now I'm not saying this is the magic pill and that it solves all of those problems, but it contributes, it helps. Uh, and 33 might not be the right number for you. It might be 40 or 25. There's no magic to this 33. It just happens to be the right number for me. I wonder what my number would be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like already creating a mental list. I mean, the head. honest truth. Yeah. Is I, but I get, I get your point. The fact that you have this finite collection and that you've sort of decided in advance. Yeah, and just that I, we're saying really like we deserve to dress for our bodies and our lifestyles today. And if that changes in six months or three months or three weeks, so be it. We'll figure it out. But today, what fits us? What do we enjoy wearing? What's What adds value to our life by wearing it instead of, oh my gosh, I have to try to fit into those high school jeans or I, I just spent so much money on this item and now it doesn't fit me. That's stressful. I would also imagine that 12 weeks goes faster than one might think. <laughs> you think, oh, I'm going to you know, undergo these enormous changes in 12 weeks. But if you really think about the last 
year, I mean, well, okay, my last year, year may be an exception again, <laughs> having a baby, but other years, you know, you're not going to have dramatic changes in that kind of a time window. So yeah. that's a good. Agreed. Good, and if you the are, fact that it's then maybe there are some other things to address that are more important than clothes as well. So I, I love that we were talking about, um, I used to watch what not to wear a lot. Um, like when I was on the treadmill, I'd watch what not to wear. Um, and one of my favorite lines I've always had is, you know, people would like have some, you know, hideous pair of jeans from the 1980s that they could wear in high school and be like, well, I might lose weight and then I could wear this. And, and Stacy said, why would you lose weight just to wear ugly clothes? <laughs> that is that is a brilliant point. Like, why on earth? Like, if you did lose weight, like, you'd want stuff that was fresh and modern anyway. Like, probably not this hideous pair of jeans. Exactly. And I think for any of us so. that have tried to lose <laughs> weight before... Uh, we know that losing weight to fit into something or to attend an event or for any other superficial reason is not sustainable. It just doesn't last. Yeah, exactly. One other thing from what not to wear, because Sarah and I were, were talking about this in terms of they, their shtick in this show. They would always give the women um, $5,000 to purchase a new wardrobe. And I wonder what you thought about that as a, as a price point for like a workable wardrobe for a professional woman. I mean, what, what would you imagine would be the right. If someone was starting from starting, like if someone literally had like, yeah, I mean, $5,000 sounds is a pretty unique situation. A lot of money to spend on a wardrobe. Uh, And one way you might figure that out for yourself is just going through right now and assigning a dollar value. Like what have you spent on the clothes in your closet right now? Well, I bet a lot of people yeah. have spent more than $5,000, but that's probably more well, of a volume it thing, is, right? Like sure. if you've got six purses, you've got eight pairs of jeans. I mean, you know, this stuff does add up. Um, it may not have But probably this, the stuff that someone actually is wearing yeah, probably comes to Yeah, here's an interesting thing when it comes that. to cost. I was talking with somebody about this recently who was looking for a new dress. And she said, I can never find a, like a just a simple black dress that I really like. And she had tried one on, and I think it was maybe uh, $250 or $300. And she said, I would never spend that on a dress. Never, ever. And I asked her what she had spent on black dresses in the last year. And it far surpassed that number. So if you, and whatever your price point is, if it's 50, it's 100, it's 500, how much have you spent on trying to find that perfect item instead of just spending a little bit more for an item that really works for you. I would also caution people to be careful with the whole sale mentality. I know um, Sarah and I have been trying to not look, not, not look at the tag, right? Like if it's something that works for you, you can decide that it works for you. And then, I mean, look at the tag and obviously if it's completely outrageous, you probably wouldn't buy it, but be less influenced by that in the decision um, that say like, Oh, I don't like it, but it's on sale. I mean, that's a very silly approach. Yeah. So I don't know who it was, but somebody recently either said or tweeted, if the price point is the most appealing thing about something, it's not worth it for you. (laughs) It's too expensive then right there. If no matter what the, what the number is on it. So this has been great, Courtney, a lot of great advice for for people in terms of how they dress and figuring out a um, wardrobe that works for them. We always have our guests 
uh, end with a, a love of the week. Um, so Sarah and I were both going to do clothing related things, which you don't have to. <laughs> the, the rules are it could be anything that you like or or don't. But uh, Sarah, Sarah, what are you really liking this week? Yeah. So my love of the week is sort of a generic clothing item and that is the wrap dress. Cause you know, after having a baby, you're looking for forgiving silhouettes. I definitely feel like I, you know, I'm not in my typical shape, but somehow when you put on the wrap dress, it emphasizes the best parts of what's there in some magical way. And they are going to be my go-to um, outfit as I return to work. I've never had like a super fancy Diane von Furstenberg. I know that's sort of where they arose from, but I found some great ones at Bowdoin um, from Design History. It's like a small label. And then my my nanny got me one, I think, at like TJ Maxx, and that's the one I wore to a bridal shower, and I got tons of compliments on it. And I don't even know what the label is, but it's awesome. So wrap dresses for the win. <laughs> and then mine is straight leg pants. So I've been somewhat frustrated in that uh, for the past, whatever, decade now, skinny jeans and skinny pants have been kind of dominating all the pant options that are out there. And for whatever reason, I, I don't really like the way it looks on me. And as, as Courtney was talking about, we have to know what works for us. And I am not of the opinion that the, the skinny leg works on me. And so I finally got around to just, you know, after being sent stuff with Nordstrom trunk that I wasn't wearing because it's, you know, skinny leg pants. I was like, I would like straight leg. And they're like, okay, we will send you straight leg stuff. And they have, and I've kept several pairs and I've been wearing them. And so it's great. It's just, I mean, I like that silhouette. So knowing what it works for you is probably the the way to go. So Courtney, how about you? Uh, well, what are you loving right now? Clothing related. That might not be a surprise. Uh, that is totally I'm, fine. Uh, traveling right now uh, for the next couple of months off and on. And there is a website that I signed up for this summer called do you yoga. So it's do you yoga.com and they offer both a free and paid membership, but they have just a crazy amount of different types of yoga classes and lessons. And so every day when I'm traveling, I can get in a 10 or 15 minute practice in the morning without having to think about what I'm going to do. Cause I'm not always that great in creating my own flow and I can't always find a studio um, with the way my schedule has been. So it's awesome. Like all I need to do is find a towel or a yoga mat and I can practice with some guidance, video and audio. So we should check that. Very like, cool. Do you like you yes. do you like that kind of way? Um, okay. Do you yoga? Well, we will check that out. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for coming on. This has been Courtney Carver has been on. Please check out her new book, Soulful Simplicity, and visit her website, Be More With Less. And you can try the project. Do you say 333? Sorry, how did you do really it? doesn't really matter. 333. Okay. Um, to see if you can create your own uh, capsule wardrobe that works for you. Thank so Courtney, you. thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Our Q&A today revisits a question that is definitely one of our main themes on this podcast, childcare. Katie wrote in, hi, Sarah. I've been listening to yours and Laura's new podcast and really enjoying it. I have a baby who is about to be six months old, and I'm ready to look for a babysitter so I can get out and do some things once in a while. Do you have recommendations on how to find a qualified sitter, websites to use, questions to ask, etc.? 
I am most impressed in this question that it's taken Katie six months. Katie, Katie, it's you time. Get out. <laughs> Katie, get out. <laughs> it is more than time. I really hope Maybe that... Maybe she has extended family nearby that's been watching her kid, right? Like I am going to hope. I am going to hope because um, both Laura and I, we talked about it usually by five, six weeks. I think she said something like six days. Six days. I'm like going crazy. <laughs> have, um, have needed to get some kind of backup or childcare because at some point you do go stir crazy. I mean, I will say I've been pretty stuck to Genevieve thus far. She's now a month old, but right now I'm doing this podcast while our nanny is watching her and that is a nice break for me. And I'm looking forward to our first real date night in a couple of weeks when we're going to go to a Miami Heat game. Yeah. And I'm really excited about it. And those, those little jaunts out, even if they're not that frequent, are kind of part, at least for me, of sort of getting back to feeling normal and like myself. So Katie, I highly, highly, highly endorse finding a sitter. Um, One thing I will say is that um, your baby will never remember it, but it will mean a lot to you. Yes, exactly. So, so what are, what are, yeah, what yeah, do you do? I mean, the logistics? R- references from other people are obviously a great way to go because it's somebody that your friends have already used and liked. And often there are people, I mean, you don't want to poach a sitter from another family. That's not cool. Um, but in many cases, people can only use their sitters at certain times. Like for instance, their kids are in school, so they're only using them on evenings or weekends. And maybe that sitter is actually looking to add some hours during the day. Um, so if you're looking for during the day, that would be a great addition to, to what she already has going on. Um, or else, you know, they use somebody as a secondary sitter and can't give them as many hours as they want. So that's another great option for you to, to get in on that. Um, Cause often people do want to um, make sure that their, their sitters are getting, you know, the kind of hours that they'd like. So, you know, ask around, just like, you know, post on mom's groups, um, you know, or it could even be that a family is sort of aging out of needing a sitter and they're hoping to find a new situation for them. So there's all kinds of people who might be doing that, or it could be, you know, someone you know, maybe a family's got uh, an older teenager who's at home, maybe between high school and college or after college or whatever, and looking for something to do. So people you know is the first place to go, obviously, because then those people are already vetted. They've got people around you who are, they're accountable to. So that's, you know, the first layer for for trusting. Um, of course, we've also had good luck with going through services. I mean, I've used nanny agencies when I was looking for somebody who was full-time. You, that wouldn't be cost-effective really for part-time. But I've also posted on SitterCity, Care.com, um, and had really great luck with both of those. I mean, you, you found your nanny through Care.com, right? Yes, we did find ours through Care.com. I'm also going to throw out two additional points. Number one, if you know of anybody moving, that should be the first thing you think of. Ooh, because then you're not poaching. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so they've got like sitters that are probably losing their business. So aging out and or moving, because that's one of our best babysitters, sort of our date night sitter, was the nanny across the street until they moved. So we didn't poach, but we embraced opportunities. Embrace the opportunities. Seize the moment. Carpe diem. The other thing is um, Nextdoor. If you have a... Nextdoor is sort of like the Facebook for your neighborhood. And a lot of times that's a great place to post that you're looking for a sitter because people who are aging out or ready to move on um, will be happy to pass on their 
um, nanny or babysitter's information to you. And I found that is probably more likely going to get you something than say Facebook, unless your neighborhood, I guess, has a very specific page. And as for questions to ask, unfortunately, I don't really think there's a great answer to this because I mean, (laughs) it's what you really want to know is like, can I trust you with my kid? And I mean, how do you even, that's not really a straightforward question to ask. So I mean, generally it's, you ask people about their background, sort of, you know, if they've dealt with any crisis situations, you know, ask for references, of course, and call the references. If there's people, you know, then you're looking for the people, you know, raving about them. That's, that's always, of course, a key thing, but, you know, doing one to two supervised sessions. We've talked about this in the past on the podcast, but just, you know, paying the person to come sit while you're home for an hour or two. um, So you can try them out and see if that works and if you're happy with them, if it's a good match. Um, And then you can sort of go from there to having a time when you go run a small errand and, um, you know, move on from that point. And it's so worth it investing that time because once you have a few in your armistice, it's very freeing to know that if you get an invitation to a party, you're not scrambling. You have, you know, your three or four go-to options that you have. It's really, it really is. Um, yeah. I like thinking of this as a, a sitter portfolio <laughs> for, you know, there are people who can only do weekends or people who can do during the day or people who can do on short notice or people who can do evenings. And, and you need less of this if you wind up with, again, you know, one full-time person, because mostly that person might But you'll still need some because you never know. You never know. And, and there are hours that person might not be willing to work. And um, so, so having, having a portfolio is great. And then we got a great listener tip from Erica, right? Yes. Erica's a blog reader. And when she wrote this tip down, I said, oh, we have to share this in the podcast because this isn't something I have done, but it's so up my alley and I love it. So I'm just going to read the comment. She said, I thought you were going to address the process of onboarding said babysitter. So she's going to address that. Once we find someone new, I give them a detailed day in the life, typical schedule. I update it every six months or so and a packet of information about routines, what our kids typically eat, house rules, bedtime routines, etc. They don't have to read it, but it's there for reference. It removes any confusion about what the kids expect and also contains important info like emergency contacts as well as useful tidbits like the Wi-Fi password. I love that. I love the fact that you only have to do it once and update it every once in a while. I love that it's clear and that it sort of takes away some ambiguity. So if the babysitter isn't going to be able to say, oh, I thought because it's like, well, it's on the page. Um, Not that you want them like reading it while they're supposed to be watching your kids. I mean, this is they have something they want to reference. Like, oh, I forget which kid is allergic to. That's a pretty (laughs) pretty important thing, yes. Um, Or, you know, even just mention that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're right. That probably should be even not just buried in the document somewhere, but you get my point. I love that idea. I'm going to copy it. And, um, yeah. And also it just help if you, you know, have extended family visiting and they're watching, you know, that you have this all written down. And I know that when I've been gone for longer periods of time, I've written out whole schedule things and, and obviously schedules change and all that, but it's the document that everyone can refer to. And then, um, you know, cause a lot of that stuff is just in my head. And that's not helpful for anyone when it's only in my head. And it's so tempting to be like, oh, I'm just a text away. But it's probably better to see if there's a way you can avoid having to get those texts in the first place. And it's probably more pleasant for the caregiver as well to just have something to refer to rather than wondering whether they have to contact you intermittently. Yeah. Although, you know, to some degree, it's you, you also just want to be able to 
relax about it some. I mean, I would say, because this is something that maybe some new parents sometimes struggle with a little bit. I, Me less so, because I just don't even think about what could go wrong. It's probably a personality flaw on my part that way. But, uh, you know, when you're not there, some things are not going to happen exactly as you would do them, but that's okay. Like kids can deal with totally agree. And, you know, if something happens a little different, you know, if the TV came on at a different time or a toy was played with, that's not normally played with at that time or dinner wasn't done in precisely the way, you know, the kids are probably going to be fine. So um, if there's something actually very important, again, like the allergy that that needs to be more um, explicitly communicated and, and strict rules about that. But for most stuff, you know, it will be okay. That is very true. Wise words from a mom who has done this a number of times. (laughs) Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds, episode 24. Tune in next week for more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. (laughs) Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.